Hello and welcome to Beyond Top 10 Tennis. My name is Dr. Ashley Morgan-Burge and I'm your host. I'm the author of 11 books, a CEO of 12 years, the founder of a startup set on data privacy. Most importantly, an elite performance coach of over 18 years, having worked with athletes throughout Europe, the United States to Australia. Most excitingly though, I am the world's leading scientist on coach and athlete performance, specifically behind how to develop a top 10 tennis ranking. My work includes everything from mitigating injuries to conditioning behaviors that set a player up long-term for the long game towards a top 10 tennis ranking. I'm behind theories from the optimal performance theory, optimal behavior for optimal performance, the barrier breaker, the rule of transference to the golden rule. As has become custom, each episode we dive into one of my books to share additional insights and dig a little bit deeper. We've been focusing on The Secrets to Optimal Performance Success, a comprehensive discussion on developing elite coaches and players. Now with over 40 episodes today, wow. Today's topic plays its own role like so many others in developing the player, parent to coach for that road ahead towards a top 10 tennis ranking. So as always, buckle in and enjoy the ride. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Look, if you've been with us for some time now, thank you so much. You obviously know what's in front and what's about to come. If this is new for you, thank you so much. I would definitely encourage you to catch up on at least some of our previous episodes just to get a feel of what we're about, where we've come from and where we're going. Uh, Today's episode, it's a really important one. Uh, Look, as always, if you want to follow along, we are on page 200. But it's the training session that can't be missed. Is this the case every time? And I absolutely love this. And I'm really going to draw on today uh, more of a a personal experience and recounts. And I am hopeful that, that you will find them incredibly insightful and valuable. Um, Those of you who are not familiar, obviously I have that background as that former athlete in the NCAA and uh, (laughs) different parts around the world, which obviously ended up developing into myself becoming a coach, um, having worked with athletes throughout Australia, the United States and many places throughout Europe. And when it really, I think, comes to obviously the work involved to get to a certain level, which obviously the last 10 plus years has been in that performance space so specifically with my masters to doctorate then finally uncovering how to develop that top 10 tennis player and coach which is really important to to share because at the end of the day that player does not get to the top 10 without 
their coach and we know for example the seven keys which you may or may not be familiar with are responsible um, for that progression uh, but also most substantially it's shared between them so it's not that the player is just aware or the coach is just aware it's really a collaborative process where they're working together throughout the pathway um, the, so you have obviously the initial pathway to the long game but really I think what's at focus today when we're looking at that the training session that can't be missed it's really about working with that player or athlete towards that core objective now that core objective uh, for some is going to be they just want to improve their game though if you're listening and you have that you know that interest in that top 10 tens ranking then I, I think it's anonymous to say that that goal is at least to secure that top 10 tennis ranking because at the end of the day it's the i think the second to last step so to speak ascending from 10 to one if that goal is to become the best player in the world with that number one ranking we also know though that when we're looking at grand slam champions and success so my work has also uncovered the players who are going to progress to that top 10 tennis ranking but more excitingly and importantly win their maiden grand slam championship which is unheard of incredible so it's it's on both sides there even though we really focus on the, the ranking we also know the results and the likelihood of those results so also it's about developing those key performance metrics so those patterns of play and today I think those patterns of play really come about because they've been shared in the book titled I am your tennis coaching guru and some of you will enjoy that title as others might raise their eyebrows and that's essentially the, was the intention behind it but the, the subtitle there is about the, it's a 10 year planner um, of the initial 10 years of play that lead to the second 10 years of play so all in all it's actually 20 years of play and it's a significant body of work um, but it, it's a pathway as such so to get to the long game which obviously is um, explained in more detail um, on and at AMA International though so what we're really talking about are the key principles uh, that, that are involved along or during that you know that first 10 years whether you start at six years of age nine years of age so it takes you to that 16 and or 19 years of age for example and what happens when you're able to integrate these proponents now when we're looking at that end goal um, and why it's so important um, for today because we know that the training session that can't be missed and is this the case every time it really comes down to from the coach's perspective meeting the players expectations and their demands which essentially is tied into progressing towards that top 10 tennis ranking because I can guarantee you if you have that player athlete and obviously the players athletes if you disagree then please let me know but if you are able to 
engage them and capture them and just empower them each and every session to nudge a little bit closer towards that end goal and we're saying the end goal is that top 10 tennis ranking you've got them that the sessions will not be missed i can guarantee you because if their heart is in it and the commitment is there that's what they're showing up for what happens though the loss happens when you lose that now unfortunately i have some experience with that from a player's perspective when once upon a time um, i was getting i think good coaching nudging me um, closer towards my end goal until it stopped and when i say until it stopped that coach stopped planning um, essentially did the same thing over and over did not listen to me when i said i'd like to work on this and they're like oh i think we should work on that and it was incredibly disheartening and it actually got to the point um, i won't share everything that i changed coaches um, and it was a bit of a roller coaster um, but really trying to, I think, focus on, you know, that level of engagement, it, it wasn't there. I, I essentially was responsible for motivating myself. I was the one calling the coach up for the sessions, um, booking it, rocking up early, uh, everything you would expect of um, a motivated athlete. That's uh, essentially what I was doing but it was by myself. I did not have that support with, I think, this coach who was um, at that pivotal stage of uh, development. Not in the earlier years, but the later years when you're looking at progressing to the ITF and your tour rankings, for example. So that's why I'm talking to you from a personal perspective, just from that playing standpoint, how important that level of engagement is. And I have written about it and it's also shared in more recent blog posts. So I would encourage you to just take, just dig a little bit deeper there. Because if you are that player or athlete, I really want to, want to encourage you to do better. Not your, necessarily yourself, but do better for who's surrounding you. Who, who are you choosing to be in your team? Because if you feel like you can miss a session, really need to ask yourself why like why do you want to miss it obviously you want to miss this session because you're going to a Beyonce concert for example that's incredibly uh, different to missing the session because you don't feel like it that the coach is just mm, no you're not being engaged you're not being motivated and empowered and you're not excited to show up and just nudge your game further and further and closer towards that end goal because that's essentially what it's all about. Now, when we're looking at that coach's perspective, irrespective how many co how many players you are working with, it's so fundamental that you keep that balance. And what I mean by that, you could have a player who's incredibly advanced to one who's mid-range to developing ones to ensure that you're giving equal amounts of attention and you're really valuing their progressions because I can't tell you how often I've seen 
um, the attention of coaches sway towards the developmental athletes and ignore the progressive ones who are getting closer to the next peak performance. But unfortunately, more often than not, it's the opposite. With those who are nudging towards their next peak performance, the best ones are typically singled out. And so the ones who are second or third or fourth or sixth in line with their peak performances get neglected. When in fact, it's those ones who end up hurdling and pushing ahead. And a really good example here is when I was playing and at around that level, through that phase, I was that, was that sixth, seventh one. And the one who was one, for example, one and two, that they would beat me and I would get bageled. <laughs> and it's really not a nice story in that respect. However, I knew deep down if I kept going that eventually I would overcome that and I would beat them and or I knew I could outlast them because I knew deep down that level of determination and discipline was there. And the the fun fact and fun story is is that I did. And I think that it, it, it says everything. And I'm sharing that because there are, I know how many athletes are out there who they either stop or they're very disheartened. So this conversation is for you to say, keep going. Because at the end of the day, it's about who can sustain that 10 year pathway and get to that next 10 years of play. Because at the end of the day, you have players ranked 200 in the world and then all of a sudden, they begin to harness the seven keys and they progress within 12 to 18 months towards the top 20. It's absolutely sensational, phenomenal, but it is there and that's how exciting the potential of those seven keys are because they're incredibly rewarding. The same applies for that player who is at that club academy level. They're looking to progress towards their national ranking points. So we're not talking professional here, just the national level points. And they're not progressing through those tournaments, through those rounds at this stage. But hold on, do your best and hold on, it will come. The seven keys are absolutely fundamental. You begin implementing them, integrating them with your practices. You get the right coach. You build that wonderful coach-athlete relationship. You ensure that parent and or guardian is a part of that triangular relationship. And it's almost like step one and tick and progress towards that next peak performance cycle. Done next peak performance cycle done and so on and you follow that 10-year pathway so for the coaches out there and or parents who are listening and you don't know where to start you know your player your athlete your child is incredibly dedicated but and you want to get them there but you're not sure um, how that is where I am your tennis coaching guru comes into play it relies on heavily the preceding text and it shows you how you can interwork them as well and then to get to that next level is obviously where the seven keys comes in because it's really about making sure you're integrating them at each 
and every milestone and they happen quite frequently because it's all about progressing and this is I think what is so important because from that coach's perspective I cannot tell you um, how often I well I was responsible for designing all of my lessons and you bet I detailed every single one of them to the T and they were individual for each and every athlete and each and every group but it's <laughs> a huge but I rarely, rarely saw any other coach do the same thing. Incredibly rare. Uh, more often than not, they were the a collo the colloquial phase is they were just winging it. So in respect, they were going by memory and they were not planning in advance. And what happens when the structure is not there is that you lose the focus from that peak performance on what you're looking at or heading towards. Sure, you can work on drills and or skills you are incredibly familiar with as a coach because you have done it um, probably hundreds of times. But the premise is how is it contributing towards their progressions and their next peak performance? And now one of our more recent episodes was on or touched on periodization and also uh, mentoring um, is, is later and you tie them together you need to go what example are you setting for your athlete if you're not planning how are they going to plan because each and every player athlete should be writing down their performance and their goals and this is a huge tip a huge tip for all of the uh, players and athletes out there is that if you are not writing down your goals please do please do if each and every session you have and this is what happens when you work with me one-on-one -on -one, but this is a hint for the coaches and parents out there to integrate is that each and every session you should be writing down something something about your performance hopefully what you did good what did you do good in this session one two three things hopefully you can list three things you improved on and did good next is three things potentially up to three things you want to work on that were not where you'd want it to be and you need to balance it so it's good and the weakness of so your strengths and your weakness at this point in time so it's not all good and it's not all bad so we want to maintain that focus and obviously what you're heading towards whether that is in three weeks time you have a state tournament for the WTA ATP players out there in you know two months time you are setting up for your peak performance to qualify for Wimbledon or more relevant because I'm the next Grand Slam in the coming up now with the US Open just behind us will be the Australian Open and so it's really about setting the following the pathway but planning for performance I like that so planning for performance but specifically that peak performance 
Now, a really exciting part that I think is incredibly applicable to touch on today, especially, essentially when we're looking at, you know, we don't want to miss that session and why, how can we ensure that we don't miss it? Uh, with the US Open just finishing now, and obviously this is going to slightly date the episode, but one of the most exciting uh, factors here is that the WTA champion, so the women's champion in Coco Golf, and I normally don't name drop, <laughs> but it's really exciting because if you are familiar with the What Is Your Game Missing series, which is three texts, three substantial texts, but it's What Is Your Game Missing? What is your game missing now? And what is your game missing to win? Now, the second one there was actually voted the number one tennis book to read in 2020 worldwide, which is super exciting. But where I'm going or what I'm getting at here, <laughs> yeah, right, is that it actually showed that if uh, Gorf stayed on the pathway, whichever that was for her at that given time, and they worked on these key metrics uh, that are integrated in the seven keys, they would progress to secure their maiden championship within the next two seasons. Now, that was more specifically touched on in the seven keys. However, the initial parts of the What Is Your Game Missing series highlighted that when Gorf um, came onto the scene very early, around that 16, 17 years of age, she was not ready. That was not going to happen. Even though the really good performances were there, and it, it, was, it was wonderful, and we all know she's a substantially incredible player, but what we're really talking about is that we're just looking for those key metrics. And I was able to ascertain that those key metrics were there but not complete so understandably it took another two to three years to fine-tune them and that's according with the long game so essentially it falls in place because the long game stipulates that one to two to three years at times period to progress whether you're top 50 in the world to become more consistent to build on those performances and for all the people who thought otherwise we've got the data which means we know how deserving uh, Gorf is and that it is absolutely no surprise that she won the US Open. It is absolutely no surprise that she secured her place inside the top 10. And it's not just 10. She's getting closer and closer to one, which means if she continues along that track, it's incredibly possible. Also on that note, Sabalenka, it's important to touch on, we knew as well that she had the potential to get to one. However, when she was ranked number two and three in the world, which has been the case roughly for the last two to three years. Now, I don't have it in front of me at this stage, so they're ballparks. But again, the data knew that when she progressed that close to one, she was not ready. She was not positioned, and rightly so, because her best Grand Slam performance at that time was about a round of 16. And then in the last two years, roughly, she's progressed. 
and the, so the quarters and the semis and the finals. And obviously, when she claimed the Australian Open earlier this year, that was, was the, the missing piece because she was able to progress alongside uh, her performance. So it wasn't just a singular inference. And she's able to substantiate that with making the finals of the US Open, which also shows us that, again, it's not a fluke. It's no surprise. However, previously, when she entered the top 10, it was not reflected in grand slams in her performances. So she was incredibly susceptible to regress outside the top 10. Fortunately for her, she was able to maintain that hold, but not as streamlined as her, some of her other top 10 players. So the ones there who are more comfortable. So obviously Swiatek comes to name. And on that, Swiatek actually was one of our uh, first, and I say that in the best possible way, when we started to dig deeper into these results, because uh, Swiatek, before she won the French Open, she was actually flagged as a potential Grand Slam champion. So from memory, she was ranked around 80 in the world the year she won the French uh, first time. And she had all of those metrics and she actually had been progressing, which means we were not surprised when she won. And I know most people were incredibly surprised, understandably, because of that ranking. But I'm sure, why am I sharing all of this? It's about if you put the seven keys and you begin to integrate them and these key metrics in place that we're able to readily identify, we can potentially earmark you to progress within whether it's that one to three seasons or beyond if you put in the work and fine tune these metrics because that's that's one thing we know that if you are 50 in the world to number three in the world for example it's the differential between your consistently consistency in the application of the seven keys so let's track it back because that, that was a lot there. So we track it back to the initial bearings of those training sessions early on in the first 10 years of play. If you're able to integrate these principles early on, you're obviously setting yourself up for that next 10 years to peak sooner opposed to not having the plan in place because when you have that plan in place we know your performance can be optimized okay so i think that was that's been a lot and we've showed both sides of the spectrum when we're looking at the developmental athlete integrating the seven keys early on and the incredible benefits to when you're at already at the pinnacle of play inside the top 50 and or inside the top 100 and if you can integrate the seven keys more consistently at that ranking range before you're inside the top 10 that is what catapults you towards the top 10 like literally catapults you along with that grand slam championship and I'll add on that, 
also with our data is Alcaraz. And that's of no surprise because we knew at the beginning of, well, about 12 months prior, he had been progressing. And he started to make round of 16s to quarterfinals. All of a sudden, when his ranking was inside the top 100, but just. And then he started to progress. And all of a sudden, within 12 months, he was inside the top 10, which was absolutely sensational, phenomenal. And I think just maybe it could have been roughly 12 months after he actually won his maiden championship. But in all cases, well, no, actually in most of the cases, the players actually have not been ranked inside the top 10 at the time of their uh, maiden championship win. Obviously for golf, it is different and Sabalenka, but both of them, before they were ranked inside the top 10, their chart work showed that they were progressing um, in most cases. There were hiccups, pr uh, predominantly with Sabalenka. However, Sabalenka has been the player who has been able to maintain her hold inside the top 10 uh, longer than the others at this point in time, just slightly, but that also shows a different metric of that longevity. And I know this is getting a little bit complicated now. The good news is that I will unpack that in my next release, which, which is in the works as we speak. And I, I've shared that in the last couple of episodes, but the best thing is, is that it actually, I think, ties together with obviously that training session that we don't want to miss it because we're working towards that end goal. The examples of elite players are the elite echelon of play inside the top 10 who have gone on to win at least one Grand Slam championship. And for some of them, they weren't even ranked inside the top 10. It is actually what got them and progressed them to the top 10. Some of the current examples is Vondrasova and Mikova, who both have progressed. And same with Ribikina, have progressed. And the best part also is Djokovic. We know why he's so dangerous and is now 24 Grand Slams deep, which is absolutely exceptional, but also why he's been able to maintain that. Same goes with Medvedev and how he regressed slightly and came back to peak to make the finals of the US Open again two years after he won it and how that all falls in line with our key performance indicators. To more of that's obviously in the seven keys and in that what is your game missing series and how it really ties together. Personally, I find it very exciting because it's almost like, well, it's, it's the truth with each and every publication. We're just getting more and more fine-tuned on really how to secure that. And I think with that playing background, my coaching background, and with tied in with being that world's leading scientist in this niche, that's what I'm here for, is that if you have that goal, 
<laughs> that you that's what this body of work is there for to help guide you to progress further okay so let's pull out some key parts of um, this week's chapter and dive in how do you make your coaching sessions unmissable simple by always getting players athletes one step closer to their goal and by remembering why the athlete is there in the first place and delivering it is an easy it is as easy as that and that's essentially what we start with and what we touched on is the relevance is making sure that coaching session is relevant it meets that players that athletes expectations but engaging them at the same time but making sure you're planning so it's really highlighting the importance of planning and structure there so you know what you're working on whether it's this month or in six months time so you're familiar with the necessary progressions that need to take place and i can't tell you how often i see players and coaches interact and they're not conscious of the progressions because in reality those progressions can happen a lot more sooner than is happening but there is so much other going on that's losing focus that i think regresses a player's performance because of where they really can if it's structured and planned accordingly progress sooner and i think um, and i share this in the intro is that a lot of this work is really um one of our core principles is mitigate injuries because so many developing athletes succumb to injury and or the ones who are potentially ranked 200 to 100 in the world to 70 in the world they're developing injuries that were initially developed five years for example prior because it's that overuse of that incorrect technique that has been overstraining a key element of their body so if we get ahead of this and we build um, proper mechanics so it's being aware obviously of that athletes biomechanics uh, which our work is involved in and ensuring that these new technical properties are adhered to because not only do we know they're um, correlated with those performance gains so progressing towards that top 10 tennis ranking we also know their functional movement patterns and or parameters which again we do have some episodes on that early on so i would encourage you to go back there to just recheck and reassess in that respect because that's essentially the core foundation to ensure that you are progressing in the best possible way without the onset of an injury whether it's now or in that three four six years time and it's so important here to just take that humanized approach because each and every episode i try to incorporate it in some way shape or form some more so than others but here we know that at the end of the day tennis players 
they're all individuals, so they're all human and injuries, they absolutely suck. <laughs> There's no nice way of saying it and that's coming from someone who has experienced one too many injuries because of the incorrect management of those technical parameters when I was younger and what happened later on because of that. Now, that does obviously have an impact on those who stop playing, where those injuries stay with them. But it still does have impact for the active players. And when they're not on the tennis court, those injuries are still there and stay with them. And it's sure it can be akin to a warrior scar, but it's not a scar, it's a real life ailment. So if we can better protect athletes, players, then it allows them to lead more fulfilling and healthier lives off the court. And it's so important to build those healthier, resilient individuals with, again, that humanized approach because injuries are not normal. They do not need to be normal, but unfortunately, it's normalized. And that is a big thing is that it does not need to be normalized. It should not be normalized. There are ways around that. And I have touched on injuries in previous episodes and I'm incredibly passionate about it as someone who has experienced it. And I've had parents come to me with their children injured from incorrect uh, coaching uh, techniques that their child has been exposed to and have come to me for help. I've had players come to me for help um, developing that as well. I've written about why uh, adolescent athletes in particular, so those primarily within that developmental spectrum, are more susceptible to those injuries because modification is key. Unfortunately, not all coaches modify training loads for adolescent athletes, and this is incredibly significant um, and really needs to be attended to. So when we're looking at, you know, making sure that training session can't be missed, all of this is wrapped under it, under it, making sure you are modifying those sessions, which is obviously in that structure, in that planning, through that, you know, implementing periodization to ensure we have those peak performances but we're not um, leaving the athlete's body susceptible to developing an injury with that we're accounting for that in that planning as coaching professionals it is our responsibilities to not only improve player performance and thus their skill and overall ability to play the sport but to help them achieve their goals and goals there's a humanized approach because whether it's developing that top 10 tennis ranking that grand slam championship win becoming number one in the world or a goal in general that's obviously not tennis specific that's that humanized approach bam right there because every child has those goals they have those dreams and ambitions I hope if you're an adult listening that coaches and parents you have goals you're working towards as well and it's so fundamental to really narrow in on those goals and to put the work in and to have that um, as your light post as a manner of speaking to guide you to what's next 
and what you need to do next what pathway you need to follow and that's where aim and eight obviously has developed the long game to really show you how it's interwork with the pathway for example and how the seven keys can be applicable and by using the planners and programs in i'm your tennis coaching guru it really pieces together as a whole that body of work and sets you up for the next 10 plus years of play it's absolutely substantial and it's, it's taken me a good 10 years to obviously release that but it's there for those of you out there who obviously want to progress towards the top 10 as a minimum right as the threshold and to get there but obviously the work needs to be done irrespective of what your professional goals are if you choose to work with a player regardless of the age caliber experience you are taking responsibility for and acknowledging their goals and your willingness to help them not to just be present as a coaching fixture this is an important aspect to remember as a coach that it is not about us it is about them the players the athletes and that is so important to really have that discussion around because it's the athlete's goal and i know some parents may be guilty here of that it's their goal that they want to become an elite tennis player so they're going to make it their child's goal and i can tell you that that may work for some time but when we're looking at those that healthy relationship dynamic that that is not a part of it that there will be um, resentment later on in life and if you want to build resilient and healthy relationships on court and in life that's not the way to go <laughs> and we, we have episodes that kind of touch on those topics and blog posts that just share in a subtle way the um, key facets of those relationship dynamics when we're looking at obviously um, the tennis player but the offshoots and it's so important i think to be mindful of that and the implications positive and negative because the goals really are what are going to get you there and that hyper focus and the team around you um but if everyone's not on the same page their hearts are not in it then there's going to be quite significant hiccups that can happen and when we're looking at that humanized approach and making sure that player that athlete that child is being heard that's not the case <laughs> in order to deliver to the best standards and the best of our coaching abilities we must first work on ourselves our knowledge base and our willingness and want for our players athletes to achieve their playing objectives and we're going to finish on that because it's so important because look today's topic the training session that can't be missed is this the case every time and how it's come full circle for the coach to work on themselves because if you work on yourself to become familiar with periodization that planning and you you do structure the lessons and you always plan in advance you make those modifications you become familiar with i'm your tennis coaching guru and you use the lessons in there and the planners and you're integrating the seven keys at each and every milestone you're planning for those peak performances 
then we know you're putting in the work. You are working on yourself. And if you've listened to our previous episodes on respect and mentoring, and if you're making yourself available um, in those respects, and you're allowing that self-respect and respecting yourself as a coach to compound your level of coaching excellence, of course, you are positioning yourself to work with that player, to ascend with that player along the long game. And you are that team. And that you have that incredibly healthy coaching pedagogy. Because everything I've just talked about with coaching excellence is assimilated with that elite coaching pedagogy. So if you want to get your hands on that elite coaching pedagogy, this is where we start because yes, and I'll say it again, that elite coaching pedagogy is responsible for that top 10 tennis ranking. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, it was a little bit of a fun, a bit of a kicker there, finishing on that elite coaching pedagogy because I know that was uh, a really brief, quick introduction only because we've touched on that in previous episodes, but it all comes full circle and ties together because we can talk in more and more about the results, whether you're, you know, you're ranked at that national level, the club level, or 500 in the world, top 20 in the world and the different metrics that it takes to progress to the top 10 to that maiden grand slam championship win and to yes to become a grand slam champion and we know the seven keys are absolutely fundamental um thank you so much as always for listening uh, to grab a copy of the secrets to optimal performance success head on over to am8 international that is am8international.com for any comments or questions head on over to AM8 or Topic Thread, the social platform set on data privacy that I specifically, yes, I am on more than any other. To interact with Beyond Top 10 Tennis, head on over to Twitter, Threads, LinkedIn or Instagram to catch up on our weekly coaching tips. Head on over to TikTok. Uh, that was a lot. So interact with Beyond Top 10 Tennis on all of those social, social platforms. But uh, TikTok has those coaching tips, but they're also shared on the other platforms as well. They're a bit interchanged. Uh, to catch up on our blog, you can head on over to AIMA International directly and look for our blogs or head on over to medium for a bit of fun and as always i'll leave all of the links in the bio notes in the episode notes you will also find links to pink octopus books that is where my fictional release is uh, to view this week's question and poll be sure to visit spotify or for something left of field a bit of fun visit spruik for some random polls and i'd love to hear your feedback on them but also how you're liking our new introduction and if I think that surmises because we really did start out with a more uh, longer version we've tried more abridged versions and this might be a bit more concise but 
as always, feedback is absolutely appreciated. Um, and if you, en- of course, if you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, like, share, and all of the above would be absolutely phenomenal. For those of you who are interested, uh, we do have scholarships available on AMA International, as well as options to work with me exclusively to optimize your performance, to nudge you closer towards that top 10 tennis ranking. And this was hinted on in today's episode along with those key nudges remember the three and the three and the three and that's incredibly important to be mindful of so look don't be shy and come and say hi on that note thank you so much for listening i am so incredibly grateful i am your host dr ashley morgan burge and this is beyond top 10 tennis and i'll see you next time